0: To the Movies Past and Present podcast. It's January 17th, 2019, and this is episode 9. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get started. So I'm not recording a podcast next week, so this week is going to be a double episode. Uh, So I want to cover, there are three films that will be new in theaters. Uh, One opens tomorrow, January 18th, and then there are a couple the following week. So first up is Glass, which opens tomorrow on January 18th. This is a thriller from Universal Pictures, and director M. Night Shyamalan is back, he is bringing together the narratives of two of his films, quite popular films. One is uh, *Unbreakable* from 2000, and then the other one is *Split*, which one was which was a hit of his in 2016. And uh, according to the press release, it's these two films come together in one explosive, all-new comic book thriller, *Glass*. So. Bruce Willis returns as David Dunn, and Samuel L. Jackson returns as Elijah Price, also known as Mr. Glass, as you probably remember. Joining from Split uh, are James McAvoy, who is reprising his role as Kevin Wendell Crumb and the multiple identities who reside within him, and Anya Taylor-Joy as Casey Cook, who is the only captive to survive an encounter with the Beast. So following the conclusion of Split, Glass finds David Dunn, a.k.a. Bruce Willis, pursuing Crumb's superhuman figure of the beast in a series of escalating encounters, while the shadowy presence of Mr. Glass emerges as an orchestrator who holds secrets critical to both of them. So this sounds like it's one of those twisty turny M. Night Shyamalan movies, uh, We'll see if it's any good. I know people really uh, like Split. I thought Unbreakable was a really cool movie and, and kind of at a peak at, at, at Shyamalan's filmmaking. But hopefully he's back and uh, I think people, a lot of people probably going to go see that movie this weekend. So Glass is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America for violence, including some bloody images, thematic elements, And language now we've got two major releases that are opening next week on Friday January 25th first one up is Serenity again this opens on January 25th it's a thriller drama type film it really actually looks like a film noir from the trailers it's from Averon pictures it's written and directed by the British screenwriter and director Stephen Knight it stars Matthew McConaughey and and Anne Hathaway so Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway are divorced He's got now a peaceful life uh, where he's a fishing boat captain, and, but his peaceful life is soon shattered when ex-wife Karen, played by Anne Hathaway, tracks him down and is begging him to save him, her and their son from her violent husband, from her current husband. She wants uh, Matthew McConaughey to take this brute out for a fishing excursion and have him never come back so sort to of throw him overboard um so uh, mcconaughey's character is thrust back into a life that he wanted to forget and now he finds himself struggling struggling to choose between right and wrong again it looks very much like some kind of a film noir maybe some kind of a dub double indemnity or something could be good. We'll, um, we'll have to see. It's rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America for language throughout, sexual content, and some bloody images. Uh, final film we're going to talk about in new releases is op- also opening on January 25th. It's The Kid Who Would Be King. This is a family adventure from 20th Century Fox. Written and directed by Joe Cornish. Uh, according to the press information, it's old school magic meets the modern world. In the epic adventure the kid who would be king, Alex, who's played by the actor Ashbourne Circus, thinks he's just another nobody when he stumbles upon the mystical, th- the myth- excuse me, the mythical sword in the stone, Excalibur. I don't know if you've seen the previews, but I think it's really funny how the kid summons the lady from the la- the <laughs> lady from the lake in his bathtub. Uh, anyway, which freaks out his mom too, but. Uh, anyway, he, he must now unite his friends and enemies into a band of knights and together with the legendary wizard Merlin, who in the film was played by Patrick Stewart, uh, they take on the wicked Enchantress Morgana, played by Rebecca Ferguson. So with the future at stake, Alex must become the great leader he never dreamed he could be. The previews made this look fun, so I, I hope it's just going to be a fun family film, not uh Not too stupid, just, you know, entertaining and, again, great for families. So it's rated PG by the Motion Picture Association of America for fantasy action violence, scary images, thematic elements, including some bullying, and language. So three films, Glass, which opens tomorrow, January 18th, Serenity, and The Kid Who Would Be King, which both open on January 25th. the review section for this podcast, I want to go over my 10 favorite films of 2018, and then talk about my 10 most anticipated films of 2019. So thanks for indulging me on this, and hopefully it might give you some ideas of of something to see if you haven't haven't already seen it. Now, a bit of a disclaimer, starting off with my 10 favorite films of 2018. Given where I live, and also just given my schedule, I have not seen everything yet that have I've been considered like the great films of 2018. For example, I still haven't seen If Beatles Street Could Talk which just recently opened up in Salt Lake City where I live and uh, I also didn't get to see uh, Widows and and there's some others and so this list could pos- could possibly change. I'm hoping to be able to see some of these films very soon. But here is the top 10 list as it now stands. And I'm going to start with with the bottom. Actually, no. I think I'm just going to I'm going to give the list in alphabetical order. That's what I'm going to do. And the list again, alphabetical order, not in any particular uh, order of preference, because I really I like them all. And uh, and and there you have it. So so uh, first up is Black Panther. I just thought Black Panther was one of the coolest superhero movies ever so well-directed so well acted such a compelling story such cool special effects such great costumes but just just a a plus in all in all in all regards so so Black Panther was a was a real win for me next up is can you ever forgive me which is that comedy drama that starred Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant about this team of, of, of forgers, <laughs> mostly it was Melissa McCarthy's character, based on a true story. Really, a, a compelling comedy drama. Such good, such good acting, Again, particularly from Melissa McCarthy, who I think often plays the same character in her films. But this one, she, this this was a very unique character from her. And really well done and and uh, really a fascinating story so can you ever forgive me then uh, i got crazy rich Asians which was really such a, I mean, a very popular film and such a refreshing romantic comedy uh, I really I and mean, I really like a good romantic comedy and this one I thought they just aced it with a really good story re- really good performances surprising, I mean, you know, predictable. Yeah. You just weren't quite sure how, how it was going to go. Uh, Michelle Yeo was just icy and amazing as, uh, you know, in her performance as the mother and really, uh, and it transported you to a very different, uh, place to have a, you know, kind of a different experience too. So really liked Crazy Rich Asians, really, really a fun, uh, an excellent film. Next up is First Man, and I don't think this film did as well as anybody kind of thought it would, particularly on paper. It was a different film. But a very you know, it's 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 about Neil Armstrong and and, and the first lunar landing. And it it was really a, a very methodical film, a very visceral film, and really more like a pensive treatise rather than an action movie. But it really worked for me. I just thought it was brilliantly made. I just felt like I was in this spaceship and, you know, and, and really experiencing what that must have been like. But also really getting into the mind of, of, of Neil Armstrong. And, and although you know he was a stoic and, 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 a, and a, you know, a man of science, still I thought they brought out so much interesting human emotion in him. And kudos to Claire Foy, too, who was so excellent at playing his wife. So, I, 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 I really love First Man. I know that some people that I talked to about it complain that they almost felt motion sickness watching it. Partly just because how it's filmed, that you really feel the bumping of the... Just how violent those that space travel most likely was, or just was. Uh, and... Just just though I, I just thought it was technically an outstanding film and, and I, I really enjoyed it. I was very impressed with it. All right. Next is Incredibles 2, which is a sequel, of course, to The Incredibles from Pixar Animation Studios. This film literally picks up the second where the, the original film left off all those years ago, 13 years prior uh, when, when uh, the original Incredibles film came out. And of course, the world's changed, but this film was such such a delight. Brad Bird was back in the in the in the writers and director seat for the, for this film, and I just thought he he brought it. He brought his A game. I loved. Uh, they were so great. They were able to use just the same character voices. Basically, I think they used the same voices with the exception of of the little boy Dash. Uh, You know, I'm sure that that, that child has clearly grown. It was 13 years ago. But uh, everybody else was back. And just so, so much fun. Maybe not just ultimately as as excellent as The Incredibles. But still, this one was a great ride. Beautifully done. Kudos to Brad Bird and to Pixar. I I loved it. All right, then I've got Mission Impossible Fallout. Again, one I thought was really one of the best action movies of the year. So, so cool. Christopher McQuarrie is such a good director I think, in this genre. And even Tom Cruise was good. And I got to tell you, I think one of the reasons why I really like this film, I get a little frustrated with some of these Tom Cruise vehicles because I just feel like he's got it written in his contract that he's got to be in every single shot. And this film felt so much more like a collaboration, and that they were—it was—it was a it was more of an ensemble piece, even though Tom Cruise was clearly the star. But such such exciting action scenes and those scenes in Paris, unbelievable. Uh, uh, that that big finale fight scene between Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill was was terrific. Even though I'm sure much of it was computer generated. It looks so good. And I'm sure too, I mean these guys were they were getting really worked with with uh, you know, that helicopter chase and all that stuff. Anyway. Really, really wonderful action film. I loved it. Next is The Old Man and the Gun, which was a film starring Robert Redford and Sissy Spacek. This was a very quiet film, perfect fall film. It just kind of showed up, but I was so glad I got to see it on the big screen. It felt like it was made in the nineteen seventies, and I mean that as a compliment. Robert Redford gives this incredibly understated performance. Uh, about a he's a, he's a he's a lifelong con man, and he and a, and a bank robber, <laughs> and, and he he pulls off a big one, but it, it's so. It's so interesting, so genuine, so exciting. Uh, again, not in, not in a thriller way or, or an action movie way, but it was wonderful just to see both him and Sissy Spacek on the big screen again and just what great actors they are. Um, I, 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 and as I mentioned, it really felt like it was a, a film made in another era. And uh, I, I just absolutely loved it. All right, then we've got Ralph breaks the Internet, which is from Walt Disney Animation Studios, which is a, this is another sequel, animated sequel. Uh, this one is a sequel to It uh, Wreck- Ralph, which is was a, from Disney Animation in 2013. This film, so Ralph, who's voiced by John C. Riley, and Vanellope. His buddy, who's who's voiced by Sarah Silverman, um, they venture into the into the internet from the arcade to go try to get a part for the Sugar Rush game that Vanellope was in. That the game broke, and <coughs> the way <to laughs> director director Rich Moore, I guess, and his co-director Phil Johnson, they <laughs> the way that they have imagined. The inter- you know if the internet were an actual place, it's like it's almost like Ralph and Vanellope leave the little town of the arcade and go to the big city, which is the internet. It is so much fun, just endlessly clever. I thought when I saw the previews that I was might you know might be a little annoyed or a little frustrated with some of the product placement or different things, but it was it was used so expertly because it, it just was all place making, and helps you just visually understand all their you know. They're at eBay or, you know, there's, there's Google or whatever and, or Twitter. And it, 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 it's so fun, but it also ends up telling a really interesting story about the nature of really a, of adult friendships. And, uh, I, uh, I just thought it was, it was, it was a total winner, fun, funny, and thought provoking. All right, this next one is probably going to be a little controversial, so please don't hate me. But I loved Solo: A Star Wars Story, which is from Lucasfilm. This was one of this was one of Lucasfilm's standalone movies, specifically focused on the story of young Han Solo, basically how Han Solo became Han Solo, and it. Uh, it didn't do that well. It wasn't very successful for any number of reasons. I don't think a lot of people. It sounds like a lot of people didn't like it, or they are now accustomed to a Star Wars movie opening up in December rather than opening up in the summer. Any, any number of reasons. Uh, maybe the act. They didn't. They were, the actors didn't look much like their the characters they were playing. You know, etc. etc. I still, it made, I thought it was, I thought it was a blast. I felt like I was, again, transported back to when I was watching the original, original trilogy, back when I was a kid in the, you know, watching it in the theaters. The film also, you know, had a really troubled production. They had to switch directors out mid or, or kind of late, late into the, into filming. And... I just think it was a miracle that it didn't even got made. The special effects are great. Uh, I thought that the, the direction was really good, and Ron Howard was the one who came in to to, uh, to rescue it. So he was this, the the steady hand. But it, mostly it was just a, it was like a it was like a western in space, a, you know, in the Star Wars universe, and just fun to see how Han Solo, how they envisioned Han Solo, how he came, how he came to be. So. Uh, I, I liked it, uh, and, and uh, there you have it. Then, finally, final film is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We've talked about this already on the podcast. Such a knockout as far as animation and really cool storytelling goes. Uh, just so, so much fun to watch, so fun to see on the big screen. Uh, just a big win. So so uh, there you have it. Those are my 10 favorite films of 2018. Now for my 10 most anticipated films of 2019. Uh, this first grouping, I'm actually just going to, I'm grouping three films in one. Uh, Marvel Studios is going to have another big year. They've got two Marvel Studios films and then one film that they have are co-producing with Sony so the first one up is is Captain Marvel um which uh, is coming out on March 8th This is about a female superhero named Captain Marvel <laughs> played by Brie Larson, you know, I don't know. I don't read the comics I don't know that much about this character other than from what I hear. She is Got some serious powers and some serious skills, and, and, and that's evident in, in the trailers. This film is set in the night during the nineteen nineties, so we've got a young Nick Fury, played by Samuel F. N. L. Jackson, who's in it, and uh, also Agent Coulson's in it with like you know Clark Gregg returning back into the uh, the cinematic universe, and uh, it's got a big Annette Banning's in it. There's uh and Jude Law. They've got a cool they've got a really cool cast. This is a big cast, and we'll just see how uh, how it rolls out. And clearly Captain Marvel is gonna be playing a very key role in the uh next Avengers film, which is Avengers Endgame, which opens up a few weeks later on April 29th. So we really won't have to wait too long until after you know we see Captain Marvel. To get back in to see what in the world is gonna be happening with the Avengers after the total obliteration from uh Avengers Infinity War last last year. I know Infinity War was a bit was a bit controversial. I knew that it was a two parter that this, you know, Avengers Endgame was gonna is the second part of that whole story arc. So it made me upset. It just in fact it reminded me that uh I'm grateful that on some of these films today we had, we only really have to wait a year, in some cases maybe in two years to see the results. I remember having to wait three years between you know original Star Wars trilogy films, and uh, talk about long cliffhangers. So I think in the culture that we've got, which is kind of the binge watching culture, where you know you're used to having all the all these films and TV shows already made and you get to see the whole thing having to have a bit of a cliffhanger and wait I know has not made uh, people happy but I'm happy that we've only had to wait a year and I think it's just gonna be a lot of fun next then then uh, this third film kind of in my in my first thing is is another spider-man movie uh, maybe it's gonna be spider-man overkill I don't know but this one's called spider-man far from home it's got the same creative team as created Spider-Man Homecoming a couple years ago, which I loved. I just thought that film was so much fun. So, again, my perspective on these Marvel films, they're not gospel to me, but they, they're they a totally fun diversion. I love how they've uh, interwoven the plots between all, all the films. I just think it's, it's just like a great serialized uh, film series. How cool. How cool. You know, how cool that we get to uh, live that through this and, and see it on the big screen. Next up is kind of a random pick for my number two film, but it's called Where Do You Go Bernadette? comes out on March 22nd. This is a comedy drama directed by Richard Linklater. It had me at Richard Linklater. I think he's such a good director. And it's based on a 2013 novel by Maria Semple. So it stars Kate Blanchett, who is an anxiety-ridden woman. She's a mother. And she disappears one day. And so her 15-year-old daughter does everything she can to track her down, discovering her troubled past in the process. I think, again, the combination of Richard, Richard Linklater and Kate Blanchett. It's like, yes, please. All right. My number three choice, and, and if anybody who knows me, I think might be a little surprised r- surprised by this one. Um This is... I I picked uh, Disney's Aladdin. Comes out on May 24th. So, as you know, this is a... uh, a remake of the uh, 1992 animated feature Aladdin. This one is directed by Guy Ritchie, of all people. I just think, what in the world is Guy Ritchie doing directing a Disney movie? So, let alone, you know, a musical set in Arabia. I don't know. It sounds so absolutely bizarre and off the wall that I've added to my list. You know, the 1992 Aladdin animated film is truly one of my favorites from Disney. I think it's really disappointing that all Disney live-action films are just remaking their animated catalog. But, I mean, just the, the reality we live in, we're getting three of them this year. I'm only picking this one. The other two i mean i'll go, probably go see i'll go see them but i can't say that i'm really jumping up and down in front of them this one though i'm so i'm so curious you know will smith is playing the genie they've shown there have been some pictures that have been released of of, of of both aladdin and jasmine i believe are relatively newcomers you know kind of unknown actors um will smith is playing the genie it looks like he's not going to be blue <laughs> I think I read some stuff on Twitter. People were complaining that he's not blue. Uh, you know, there's a Broadway play currently. You know, Disney has has been making you know these Broadway plays from from these animated features too. And uh, Aladdin's been out a while. I've seen it, the the Broadway version of it. And and in the Broadway play, Genie's been played by an African American. Uh, with just his you know his regular skin, and it's just a, a larger than life character that that can do lots of singing and dancing and and rapid fire dialogue. So Will Smith I think fits that bill. Don't know if they're going to be modeling this after the Broadway play in particular or how if if it's going to be kind of a combo of the Broadway play and the animated film. Regardless, it's coming. Uh, Summer Dumbo on the Lion King. But Aladdin's the only one I'm putting on my list. Okay, next up on May thirty first is another Godzilla movie. This is Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, Godzilla is back in the global ring with new challengers Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah. I mean, it had me a Mothra. Uh, I love, love, love the the uh, the uh, Japanese Godzilla movies from the sixties. I just think. They're, uh, you know, from the 50s and the 60s, I just think they're little slices of, of kitsch heaven. And uh, anyway, this is, you know, tied in with that Godzilla remake from not too long ago that was directed by Gareth Edwards. Um, there's a different director for this one, but Ken Watanabe is back in it, as is Vera Farmiga, Sally Hawkins, um, and Kyle Chandler are going to be in it. Anyway, I I think it, you know, just again, it had me at Mothra, so I like, think I think we're in for just another silly, fun monster movie, and uh, and I hope it's just going to be a blast. All right, June twenty first is Toy Story four. Now we need another Toy Story movie, like I need a hole in the head. Toy Story three was was a perfect ending to it to this quote-unquote trilogy. Uh, Though, you know, I don't think it was necessarily a trilogy, but it's just how how it rolled out. I love these characters so much. I, I, I you know, and I adore Pixar Animation Studios, so I just really hope this is going to be good. I bet it is. I know it's had a, it's had a rocky production, too, it sounds like. Uh, initially, uh, Rashida Jones and her, her, uh, writing partner were involved in it and they were working with John Lasseter too. And then, you know, John Lasseter kind of left in shame from, from his role at Disney and at Pixar. And then, uh, Rashida Jones was pretty vocal that, uh, you know, kind of at the boys club that's going on at Pixar and, and lots of, anyway, lots of bad and discouraging things. But I hope that, that, uh, this film's gonna be solid. All the voice cast is back. Um, again, directed by this guy named Josh Cooley. I think it's his first first film, his first feature film. But but uh, you know the story trust at Pixar is, or the, you know the the I think they were they call it the brain trust. But they uh, uh, they're solid and they they do great work. And so let's just I, I I'm really excited to see it. let let's hope it's gonna be good. Okay, this next one is, is, is a racing movie. It's coming out the following week on June 28th. It's called Ford vs. Ferrari. This is a story uh, that about uh, Ford deciding to compete at the 24 Hours of Le Mans race it's in France. This is For years, it just was dominated by Ferrari. And... Uh, the Ford Motor Company tried to buy Ferrari in the 1960s. And in fact, it sounds like they had a kind of almost like a verbal agreement that this was going to happen. And then Enzo Ferrari, uh, you know, the, the chairman of, of the company, he, he backed out on the deal, which just totally upset uh, the Ford management team. And so they decided that they were going to go to Le Mans in France and they were going to beat Ferrari. And they did. So, spoiler alert, <laughs> but it's it's a really cool story. It's going to be as, you know, a, a sports drama, but uh it's it's uh it's going to be about Ford's efforts to build a race-worthy car to rival and hopefully defeat Ferrari at the 1966 24 Hours of Le Mans race. It's starring Christian Bale, Matt Damon, uh, and James Mangold directs and uh, it it sounds so totally cool to me. So that's Ford versus Ferrari. Then in October, it's October 4th. There's um, a sci-fi film called Gemini Man. And this is directed by Ang Lee. Ang Lee just directs the most interesting movies. They're just, he just genre hops and does all sorts of stuff. One of my more recent favorite films from Ang Lee was The, was, uh, the Life of Pi. I don't know if you saw that one, but oh, I loved it. But this film is uh, the movie starring Will Smith. So go figure. But Will Smith plays an assassin who wants to retire and start a new life. But he finds himself accosted at every turn by a younger, stronger clone of himself. So I think that's really all we know about it. But uh, I think it sounds cool. And again, they had me at angry. Okay. Probably going to get some haters for this one. But I'm actually really looking forward to uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios Frozen 2. I just thought Frozen was such a good film. Such, again, a return to form for the animated musical. It was so original. The songs were so good. The animation was just stunning. And I'm just hopeful. I'm just throwing hope out there and positive vibes that they're going to do a good job with it at Disney. It's not going to be stupid or they're not going to take stuff in weird ways. But it's just that it's going to be good. So, fingers crossed. Frozen 2 comes out November 22nd. The week after is, uh, on November 27th, is Knife's Out. And this is the next film directed by Ryan Johnson. Now, Ryan Johnson directed Star Wars The Last Jedi, which was a real lightning rod in the Star Wars fan community. Uh, it's one of those you either loved or you hated. And the haters were really, really vocal. Uh, but anyway, he's, he's, uh, Returning, it's a, it's a crime thriller, which are some films, types of films that he's directed, and uh, such as Looper. And I I'm just excited to to uh, this cast that he's assembled. I'm excited to see them all in, in action. Let me tell you who who's in, some of the people who are in this film. There's Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans uh, from Captain America fame, Daniel Craig. Tony Collette, Michael Shannon, Christopher Plummer, Don Johnson, of all people. So anyway, and then a bunch of unknowns. So, so uh, I, I, I'm i really excited. I think Ryan Johnson knows how to direct, direct film. And this just looks like, or it sounds like it's just unusual enough that it really could be, uh, it could be a lot of fun. Then finally, here we are at number 10, the film I'm most, Excited to see in 2019 too, and it's the last one to come out. But it's Star Wars, Star Wars Episode Nine that, that opens on December 20th. So speaking of Ryan Johnson, you know he directed Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, which was so controversial in so, so many ways. I I quite liked it, but then you know I really like Star Wars movies. Uh, the uh, uh, the film is totally. Under uh, under a incredible shroud of secrecy, it's being directed by J.J. Abrams, who directed Episode Seven, The Force Awakens, which was kind of I mean, which was the first film that came out after Disney bought Lucasfilm, and was just a monster hit and really uh, t- totally entertaining and I thought a very a very good movie. So I think a lot of fans have a lot of hope in J.J. That he's going to bring balance back to the force. <laughs> well, we'll see. Again, I, uh, I'm not. A, I, I, I like the Last Jedi, and I, I just, I'm so excited to, to see this one. Supposedly, it's a wrap up of this whole Skywalker family saga, and we'll just see how that all pans out. Uh, but, uh, all, you know, the, the 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 new trio is back. Daisy Ridley. Oscar Isaac and Adam Driver, and then uh, Mark Hamill is going to be back. So even though Luke uh, kicked it in Episode Eight, spoiler alert, sorry, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, he's back in it. Billy D. Williams is in it as Lando Calrissian, and then uh, some other people are in it was uh, characters that we just don't, you know, we don't know. But the, the cast is cool. Uh, i think they're still they're still filming it it sounds like but uh december 20th is the date and 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 uh you can't wait so anyway those are those are my 10 favorite films of 2018 most anticipated films of 2019 and uh, i would love to hear what your films you're excited to see this upcoming year up in as cl- classic cinema corner. And I just got a couple things I want to talk about. I've been starting my or I say my essentials project is off to a good start. So, as I've put on my blog and you've heard me talk about it as well, uh, there's this cool book that Turner Classic Movies put out called The Essentials and it's got 52 films that they feel are just you know, solid viewing for the classic movie fan. Musty films; they're not necessarily like the best films ever made. Although all the films I think are outstanding that they picked. But uh, I just thought this would be a fun project to go through this list and and watch one of these old movies a week, and then uh, blog about it. So uh, there are a couple films that I, that, I, that I've seen now that uh, I've got I've got reviews on the blog, and I'll put I'll put links to them. In, in the notes on the blog. But I saw, uh, and, and I'm going a little bit out of order, just when I have an opportunity to see a film on the list, I'm going to take it. So I saw Now Voyager, which is from 1942, that stars Betty Davis and Paul Henry, as, as well as Claude Rains. It's a melo, it's a romantic melodrama. And it's just absolutely outstanding. It's a film I had already seen. But, uh, Betty Davis plays this spinster who is under the control of a horrible, horrible mother. In fact, I think she might get the she's played by Gladys Cooper. I think she might get the award as really one of the worst movie mothers ever. <laughs> so poor, poor Betty Davis. She's she's at she's at her wits' end, and a a kind sister-in-law can see this what's happening. And she, she brings in a a psychiatrist friend of hers, hers to kind of do in a way, a stealthy evaluation of what's going on at home and what's going on with, with Betty Davis's character. Her name, her character's name is Charlotte. Uh, and he, he is able to get her, uh, out of the house and into his, his, uh, sanitarium for, for a few months. And then he sends her on a cruise to help her, uh, kind of practice her social skills and, and continue her healing process. before she has to go back into back into the home environment, back with her mom. And uh, she, on on the on the trip, she falls in love with uh, this character played by Paul Henry. And uh, Paul Henry's in an unhappy marriage, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. Again, it's 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 a melodrama, but it's it's important in in some ways. And you know, I I, I blog about this, but. It, it was important, and historically, you know, from a, from a from a film and history standpoint, in that this character Charlotte Vale that Betty Davis plays really is an independent female, and makes some decisions in her life where she's probably not going to be finding her happiness through marriage, and uh, I think that was rather shocking and liberating at the time and uh, the film is just expertly made and it's a story expertly told and just with incredible performances so uh, this is a terrific terrific story so uh, i really would recommend watching now voyager if you if you haven't seen it the other film i want to talk about is all quiet on the western front which is from 1930 this was one i had not seen before i've heard about it and know that it's it's a a seminal film and, and and one that is highly highly regarded, and I can see why. I mean, it. Uh, I was really quite mesmerized by it. It's it's a it's a very strong anti-war film. It's set. Uh, it's about the German. Uh, it's it's about Germans fighting in World War One, and it basically tells the story of an enthusiastic group of young men who who joined the war effort and 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 then. Uh, really become disillusioned by it, and again with cause because they see and have to deal with a lot of really horrible, horrible stuff. Uh, it's stunning filmmaking. Uh, you can't believe how this camera moves around and how uh, again the epic scope of it with these you know incredible trenches that they that they recreated and and all the dynamite that's going off in the, in the fields that, you know, they set off uh, and, and just so, so many actors and so many extras and, and, and uh, it's, it's just one of those remarkable epic films, but it has an incredibly strong and poignant message. I was really, I was really moved by it. So I'd also really recommend all quiet on the Western front. That's from 1930 uh so so now voyager i watched it on dvd and it also is available on on apple itunes and all quiet on their western front i rented from dvd.com and uh it also is available on on apple itunes Okay, everybody. Last up is recommendations, and just looking at what's playing in the theater, uh, you know, a bit of a broken record. I, I think uh, again we got these these new films opening up, so hopefully you'll ha- you'll be able to go have some fun with those. If and hopefully they're going to be good. Uh, also, just looking at what's playing at my local local uh, multiplex, and Green Book is still there. I, if you haven't had a chance to see Green Book, I definitely would. also look at that there were plenty of screenings of Mary Poppins Returns. And even though I'm slamming on on uh, the creatively bereft Disney and all they're doing is remakes and sequels, but it, it's, it's really a delight and such an optimistic, happy film. So definitely would recommend seeing Mary Poppins Returns. And then speaking of Disney and sequels too, Ralph Breaks the Internet. I noticed that there were plenty of screenings of it, and it's that's that's also uh, such such a good movie. So there you have it for recommendations. Well, thanks again for listening. I really appreciate uh, your support. And uh, again, I won't be recording next week, so I look forward to talking with you again in a couple weeks. Thanks.